To the Green Mountain Sports Roundup. I am Ernesto Sanchez. I am here with Marty Griffin and John Downing, and we're here to give you a quick roundup of this week in sports. How's everybody doing today? Doing great. Got to golf yesterday. I'm on top of the world. Oh yeah, I saw you dragging your bag out of the uh, out of the closet, dusting off the clubs. That's right. How'd you do? Uh, 83, not bad for opening round. I was three over par on the front nine and uh, kind of fell apart on the back, but not too bad. I'll take anything around that score starting out the first of the year, so it means it's all downhill from here. Yeah, good, good, good for you. <laughs> Johnny, how's the, uh, how's the shoulder? Are we all the way back? Almost all the way back, but we're ready to crown a champion tonight, so let's not worry about that. <laughs> we worry about you, Johnny. You're always on my mind. I know that that T Rex arm was uh was not a great look for you. Um, all right, episode number twenty two, boys. Um, we all know who Marty's going with, so might as well start with him. <laughs> it's not like he's just some chump that played for the Cowboys. I mean, obviously, I'm going with Emmett Smith. Emmett Smith, number twenty two, the Florida Gator. Uh, you know, three time All First American. Uh, all. SEC player from 87-89, drafted by the Cowboys in 1990. That first year he was Rookie of the Year. Um, we're talking from 1990 to 2002. Uh, had quite the career for the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, three-time Super Bowl champion, Super Bowl MVP, eight-time Pro Bowl, four-time first team, um, AP uh, Most Valuable Player of the Year in 1993, uh, offensive rookie series, which I mentioned, 1990, four-time NFL rushing yards leader, um, rushing touchdowns leaders four times in his career. Obviously, Dallas Cowboys ring of honor. Um, you know, uh, just besides him and Jerry Rice, one of the most prolific scores, and as far as yards in the league, they only two players besides kickers to av- average over a thousand yards in a season as well. I mean, yeah thousand points scored in a season excuse me um but mentioning johnny earlier i did have a little bit of problem with this guy later in the season he, he did get drafted in two, 2003 to 2004 by arizona cardinals i believe like you know around 2001 2002 it probably should have been his time to kind of move over let somebody in i i know you want to honor a career uh from a guy like that but i just felt like he was chasing records at that point there was a lot of plays he would just kind of scattle out of, out of bounds to avoid contact um, I just kind of thought he was a little bit of a liability towards the end of his season, a little bit of liability for the team who were still kind of hunting for some postseason play. Um, but we did sign him back as a Cowboy in 2005 for $1 so he can retire as a Cowboy. And uh, that's my number 22, Emmett Smith. All right. Johnny, I imagine uh, you went with Bill Buckner. How did you guess? <laughs> um, yeah, it was close between Bill Buckner um, Five and then ball. I actually was thinking about doing one of my new favorite young players in baseball, St. Louis second-year pitcher Jack Flaherty, who now wears number 22 this year since uh, manager Mike Matheny was fired last year. He switched his number. But I'm actually going to go with pretty Ricky Deuces from the Red Sox. Um, that's Rick Porcello, and he's going to be a free agent at the end of the season. Uh, he 
is 30 years old. He is 135 and 108 career win-loss record with an ERA of 4.29. Um, he's more known as a dur durable pitcher. Um, makes most of his starts almost every year. He's hardly ever on the DL. Hopefully he stays that way now that I'm mentioning that. Um, career 1,372 strikeouts. Played from the Tigers in, from 2009 to 2014. Um, came over in the John Lester trade. And <clears throat> we won the Cy Young Award with the Red Sox in 2016, beating out Justin Verlander. Uh, to Kate Upton's much displeasure about, about that. He was <laughs> also the AL Comeback Player of the Year that year and the AL Wins Leader in 2016. And he was a World Series champion last year for the Boston Red Sox. And he'll be picking up a ring at Fenway Park tomorrow afternoon, um, we weather permitting. So that's my guy, Pretty Ricky, Rick Porcello. All right. And if, if the internet uh, tells any truth at all, Cape Upton and, uh, and Verlander are getting enough pleasure as it is. Um, <laughs> Great video, by the way. Oh, my goodness. He's got a little bit of a wrench on him. A little bit of a wrench? He's <laughs> a beast. Do chin-ups on that bar. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh, I went with Mike Bossy, um, one of the all-time legends um, in the hockey world. He was the first rookie to score 50 goals uh, in a season, uh, and then he scored at least 50 in each of his next eight se seasons. Uh, he was one of the main pillars of that Islanders 80s dynasty that won four cups in a row. Um, he was the only player in NHL history to score back-to-back -back Stanley Cup winning goals, and he's also the only player to record four game winning goals in one series. Can you imagine that? Absolutely unbelievable. Uh, he's uh, one of only five players to score 50 goals in 50 games, and uh, he retired at 30 um, <laughs> due to a due to a bad back. Um, he made so you know if he if he had been able to stay healthy, you know who knows, um, you know what kind of legacy he he could have he could have right. left. Um, Hockey Hall of Fame class of 91. Four-time Stanley Cup winner, three-time Lady Bing winner, uh, eight-time All-Star, a Calder Cup, that's Rookie of the Year, and Conn Smythe, uh, that's Playoff MVP. Um, in 752 games played, he had 573 goals, 553 assists, and 1,126 points. Number 22, Mike Bossy. Very nice. So we're doing something... Um, a little interesting today uh sort of we've done this a couple times uh with various big games and we're bringing it back where we uh watch the game together live and sort of uh give our thoughts and opinions on it as it goes on um another thing we're doing today is the uh nhl not so much a preview more of a prediction show uh but with some of our thoughts on some of the matchups in the nhl uh playoffs um so we're going to sort of be juggling back between the two of those things uh, throughout the night tonight. <clears throat> but before we get to that, uh, Johnny, did you check out Bryce Harper's return to Washington? I did. I did. Yeah, Max Max Scherzer kind of owned him on the first couple of bats, and then absolutely Harper figured out figured him out. I was able to get a hit off him in his third at bat, and then man, the Boo Birds were out. Yeah, big time. Even though he posted that Twitter. Um, 
uh, what would you call it, Twitter statement earlier in the day thanking the Nationals fans. Uh, it was quite lengthy for all his time there, which I thought was a very nice thing to do. You know, athletes don't don't have to do that. Um, I it's just. You know, you think about it, it's not not been a lot of criticism about the way that it ended, but the Nationals did offer Bryce Harper a 10-year, $300 million contract, so pretty similar to the one he got from the Phillies, you, you know? Yeah. So, it's just, maybe, think, at the time last year, he was just expecting, I think he was expecting a lot more, and then those offers didn't come most of the most of the season, and uh, the offseason, and the Phillies... I think came in with the highest offer closest to the season and it was a done deal. Um, so it's disappointing because they've made the playoffs a number of times, but they never won a round in the playoffs. And with all the pitching talent and Bryce Harper and, you know, some of the vets that they have on the team, like Anthony Rendon and Ryan Zimmerman to go with some of the young guys, Trey Turner, you would have thought that they would have won or at least won a world series or been a world series over the years. And they didn't. So, right. Maybe it was the maybe it was the no trade clause aspect that the Phillies threw in there, or or you know, I mean, there's there's some head scratching things to this whole process between the Phillies and their our, our neighbors home. It's yeah, all good, you Mr. Know? Beeps. <laughs> um, but so Ph- Phillies are off to a great start though, four and zero for the first time in 104 years, and uh, Harper's got three home home runs uh, in those games. So he's he's doing his part, and Reese Hoskins has been the main beneficiary hitting behind him. He and right. Hoskins has another home run tonight, and he seems like he's definitely poised to break the forty plateau this year, if not get to fifty. Definitely. By the wall, the by the way, the he ball swing loose. The, the ball is juiced again this year, like it was in two thousand seventeen. Yeah, it went back. To, so the homers took off in twenty seventeen. You saw guys who would only hit single digit home runs in twenty seventeen hit in the twenties. Everybody hit twenty home runs plus in twenty seventeen. Last year the balls went back down and it was kind of lower numbers mm-hmm. so far this year the opening day you had a record number of home runs and it's it's just unbelievable the amount of home runs so far 10 10 games in for every team so we're we're on they another, got wound tight we're, we're on another <laughs> 2017 pace so look for a lot of long balls this year which i don't think anybody's going to be disappointed except for the pitchers so well, right Har- harper stuck it up uh washington's ass with three hits three rbis one home run two of those uh hits were doubles and a sick bat flip, man. Yeah, that four that four hundred and sixty five foot bomb. I got and then the the bat just, flip was something. Yeah, it just shut him right but up. But speaking of bat flips, you want to discuss yesterday's uh, stared at stared by Derek Dietrich after yeah. Chris Archer threw a meatball over the middle. <laughs> yeah, so I guess Archer just thought that he looked at his pitch a little too long. Oh, he did. He's still looking at that that ball. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and and so. You know, he threw at him, and he threw behind him. He didn't hit him. This goes back to last year. So, Derek Dietrich played for the Marlins last year, and Archer struck him out three times in a row. And you know how demonstrative Chris Archer is on the mound. You know, yeah. you see strikes guys out, and then he'll moonwalk oh, yeah. uh, off the mound. Right. And he still stare you down. Yeah. He's, al- he's always he, a showboat. He's he a showman on the mound. He show up the batters in those moments for sure. He, and, and, and I'm not saying that's good or bad for the game. Whatever. It is what it is, but... You know, so uh, clearly Derek Dietrich put that in the back of his mind, and he said, "If I ever get this guy, if I ever hit him, I'm gonna go excessively long on my st- my I'm staring down my home run or my bat flip." And so, like we said, he's still staring at that home run that he hit off him yesterday. And then the next bat, Chris Archer throws behind him, and bench is clear, 
And oh yeah, David Bell comes out, starts chewing out the umpire, and then Yasiel Puig looks like he's about to fight the entire um, Pirates bench. Is he the last guy you want to see in a dark alley at night? <laughs> he's crazy as hell. <laughs> he's insane, know. right? He, he, they he, had to pull him out of it like two or three times. But then he charged through, and it's <laughs> just like he's a madman. I would not want to deal with Yasiel Puig. Is it all? Is it all the juice? I don't know. It's I don't know. It's just he's crazy. Was it was it maybe the throwback jerseys? You know, back when you used to <laughs> when you could, like carry a shiv in your sock and <laughs> still drinking Jack Daniels in the clubhouse, getting juiced up in a different way. So Ju- I, juicing was different in the seventies and eighties for true. sure. <laughs> so you know, however you feel about the bat flip and how pitchers act on the mound, it is what it is. It's a new day. Um, but the, even there's a new MLB commercial this year with Mike Trout at the end says, let the kids play. So they're embracing that the athletes, the, the baseball players are performers, you know, and ba- in the past, ba- doing that on a baseball field um, has been frowned upon. So I think the MLB is trying to embrace more of showmanship on the field and like things like the Bryce Harper bat flip home run in Washington the other day because they know that it brings more views and more right. Oh know, yeah, more it gets tons of to, clicks on Twitter. To the game. So I think it's, you know, Archer's definitely going to get suspended. There's no doubt about that. Um, if you can't throw behind him and, and even though he didn't hit him, uh, there's precedent because in 2015 there was another guy, a pitcher who threw behind a batter and I think it was Kelvin Herrera of the Royals and you think Puig also gets a game uh, ab- or two? Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. It probably maybe two or three games, especially but... in the early season. They, I think the leagues at some point are going to set a tone, like just start watching yourself. I mean, well, just... so I know, so basically, what I'm getting at, or what I'm saying, is that the Derek Dietrich, if Archer's going to be the way Archer is on the mound, very demonstrative, that's fine. Uh, but it's okay for Derek Dietrich to, if he hits a home run off you. To, to watch it, or yeah. bat flip, or whatever he wants to do. Right. And Archer can't come back and be pissed about it and throw behind him. So they have to protect the player, Dietrich, in that case, and say, Archer, what you did was wrong, and he'll get suspended for it, and it All is right. what it is. I don't want to spend too much time on this, because we could talk about it forever, but do you think that at some point we got to get to a place where there are bigger consequences for intentionally hitting batters? Because, you know, like if... Uh, if, if a curveball or something gets away from you and you know hits somebody on the hands or comes in a little tight or you just miss it certainly Pe- people are going to get hit and it could be accidental but so what was it last friday night or thursday night felix or was felix hernandez, hernandez against mike trout and mike trout owns as over his career even right. when felix hernandez was king felix he's owned him he's had oh. eight home runs off of him He's got almost a 400 average against him. Felix just could, can't get Mike Trout out. So, right. and Felix is a shell of him, former self. And the first time Mike Trout came up, he hit him right in the hands. How do you think baseball would have felt if my, their best player, Mike After Trout, is on the shelf again? Right. Because Felix was, was no. pulled a little bitch move and is like, I'm just going to hit him on the hand so I don't have to have to have him hit a home run off me. Right. You know, so, yes. I, to I answer your question, yes. That, I so. I do think that baseball is going to get to a point where these pit, these suspensions for pitchers throwing at the hitters for whatever reason um, could be lengthy, more lengthy. A couple of quick things that just stood out to me with baseball week two going in right now. Pete Alonzo, stud for the Mets. He's an awkward looking player, huh? Yeah, but he is. He does not look like a baseball player, but yeah, yeah he can hit. He's from the University of Florida. Right. Um, yeah, and and that's what he does. He's not a good. He's not a good fielder. Um, that was one of the 
the big debates for him coming out of camp was can he make it being you know first baseman can it be an adequate uh, first baseman but he can two hit home runs five doubles eight RBIs in week two of the season he's, he's got three he's that. got three now he's got three now yeah okay and then uh your boy Bellinger oh my god he's pushing the, oh my he, god he is so fun to watch yeah, he's he the is best. definitely uh, so he got player of the week and Trout yeah. player of the week absolutely. And I want to go back to Tampa Bay and ask you, Johnny. I mean, their, their pitching staff looks good. It does. They it look do, deep. It really does. Yeah. If Morton can, can stay healthy, yep. Snell looks like last year wasn't a fluke, and it wasn't. Um, but if Morton can stay healthy, Morton's really good. And that Yoni Sharinos looks really good. Um, so, yeah, we'll see. And they just have a bunch of guys that battle. And that Yandy Diaz, so if you're the fantasy guy, Yandy yeah. Diaz is a good pickup because his bat-to-ball skills are fantastic. He strikes out very little. He, d- he had little pop with the Indians last year. But you know that if Tampa Bay trades for you, there's some talent there. You, right. you know, Ernesto knows this with us seeing Austin Meadows and um, Glass now, the pitcher, come over from the Archer trade last year. If Tampa Bay wants you, there's something there. Yeah. So now they've traded for Andy Diaz from the Indians, who wasn't playing full-time last year, and now he's batting leadoff for the Rays, and he's already got a couple home runs and stolen base. And, and if, he's yeah. a, he was a great pickup this week. Um, I got him in a couple places. And then uh, another guy I got, because Jake Lamb's out for six weeks now for the Diamondbacks, is Christian Walker. I think Christian Walker is going to be a uh, potential breakout player this, this year. Absolutely. So, yeah, if Alvarado Castillo, Castillo stays you know steady and constant for the Rays, they, they could be cool. a bit scary. Jose Alvarado. And, uh, oh, the, the lefty closer. Yeah, yeah 99 with He's movement. He's a beast, yeah, yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of movement on that ball. Woo. So, yeah, uh, and obviously, you know, going into week two and thinking about just, the, you know, Chicago Cubs and the Red Sox woes right now. Cubs got right today. 10 nothing over yeah. tie-on. Hopefully we'll get right at home, you know, for, for the Red Sox, but... Uh, playing playing the Pirates is a is a good confidence builder. Great great way to get things on the right track. It, but you know, my man Josh Bell is off to a good start. He had a home run and almost a second home run yesterday. Um, in Tyon's defense, it was a short outing. He allowed six runs, but none of the runs were earned. So, <laughs> but they go. lost ten nothing today. Uh, Schwarber hit another home run. Schwarber Schwarber and Gallo are going to hit a lot of bombs. This Gallo's year. going to have a lot of bombs for sure. Yeah. And I'm kind of just interested seeing starting in the series uh, tonight between the Yankees and Astros after, after this. Uh, is it three game or four game series? With these guys going into it. Have I believe it's three. Who's coming out with more wins out of that one as well? That's a good matchup this week for those two teams. Gary Sanchez <laughs> looks back to get yeah. back to being Gary Sanchez too, which is scary for the rest of the league. For sure. All right. Um, I was hoping to not have to talk about the Steelers until after the draft, but alas, the drum coming. The up. drama. Continues. I saw this and I ignored it because I don't want. I don't want to talk about it. Yeah, I can understand why Nestle just can't keep his eyes off of it. Yeah, yeah and Ian. You know, not for nothing, too. It's kind of like, you know, my favorite player on the team right now get, get started getting disrespected. So, to just to bring it all the way back, about a month ago, uh, Juju tweeted out a picture of him catching that uh, touchdown in Oakland. I believe it was the only touchdown in the game. Um, and it's like a cool shot. You know, he's got his toes barely in. He's, he's reaching out. Uh, it's a nice snag. And it's in Oakland. And Antonio Brown is kind of like looking on, walking away from the play. Um, and, yeah, you know, I could see how Juju would think, like, you know, this is like really encapsulating the moment. It's got all the elements. And his caption was simply, I'm ready. You know, like, 
he's ready to take on being being the number one guy. Um, so Antonio saw it a different way. Yeah, yeah, Antonio. So he responded, um, "Keep your emotions off the internet, right?" And some fan, you know, retweeted with with the uh, you know a picture of Juju as the team's 2018 MVP. And uh, this sort of like busted out this week. I think you know probably took Antonio Brown that much time to read through all read through all the tweets. I imagine he can only read sight words based on the way he speaks. But anyways, so Brown responds, emotion. Boy fumbled the whole postseason away in the biggest game of the year. Ooh, fact. And, <laughs> fact. Everyone fact. went blind. Too busy making guys famous. Not enough reality these days. A hang loose emoji. By the way, check the list, which I can only imagine he's referring to the list of Steelers MVPs, which I'm sure he has won. A couple of times. To that, Juju replies, keep your emotions off the internet. All I ever did was show that man love and respect from the moment I got to the league. I was genuine, genuinely happy for him, too, when he got traded to Oakland with a big contract. And now he takes shots at me on social media. Crazy how big that ego got to be to take shots at people who show you love. Shake my head. And then in response to that, Brown sends out a four-year-old Instagram post of of Juju from back when he was at uh, University of South California. Southern or Southern, Cal. excuse me. USC. Yeah, Southern Cal, yeah. What's up, AB? I'm a receiver at the University of Southern California. I appreciate all your work. You're a great man on and off the field. False. Do you have any <laughs> tips that can help me take my game to the next level? Thanks, man. Like, what a childish move to send a four-year-old... Uh, Instagram post might have even been in it, uh, uh, a DM, you know, of a guy showing you respect and love and like, look, you know, I don't think Juju's coming at him in any way. You know, obviously the entire city of Pittsburgh's coming at uh, Antonio, but you can't tell me he hasn't earned every bit of that. Yeah, I mean, but also how you exit. Is such a huge thing, and that's going to be leave the lasting impression on on a lot of fans. We're in such a relevant world nowadays where we need we need we need it now. We need championships now. We need postseason play now. I mean, there was just a lot of things, and and he just he killed his value, like we talked about a few weeks ago. He killed this his guy, legacy in yeah. Pittsburgh. And I mean, he just really did not go Which out is, with grace. So when if he goes. To the Hall of Fame, have respect and grace, then you need to exit on a different level. Think about that, sure. Marty. When he goes to the Hall of Fame. He's going to have to wear a Steelers hat. Yeah. Right? Sc- right? Steelers scarf or He's whatever no, but, he wants to no, like, they, you, create his a helmet. Brand, his, yeah. his helmet's going to be a Steelers helmet. Right. It has to be. I, I get it. I, I don't know. It's it weird. Just, it, just, it, it blows. It just, it's something that's just we deal more of now with players because with social media fantasy, like player the, movement, player movement, like there, it's just more. Of about individual, and that sucks. Relevance than it is right. about team. I the want, aspect yeah. of, it's a bigger of conversation, winning, but you yeah. know, but we could. You know, this is another conversation we could talk about. We need to save maybe for some off days going ahead in the weeks, um, June or, and July shows. Yeah, exactly. 
But hey, not, hey, while we're on the but while we're on the on the subject of um, blowing the postseason on a stupid play, what about 2013 when he stepped out of bounds? You know what could have been a game-winning, miraculous you know touchdown against the Dolphins. I can't remember back that. I, I, I don't remember I'm that either. Trying to think about it. I mean, I know those things are being now. You're rel- being petty. You. I'm just saying. <laughs> now you're being petty. I'm just fucking saying. It's you know. I'm just thinking in the moment of now and how he treated that franchise and how he went about making everything about himself and how he exited was just. There were a lot of good times. Disagre- there were a lot of good times and it just ended badly. Yeah. It just. I and would, things don't usually when that and, and things don't usually end well. You know they end badly, and thing, most things in life end badly. Otherwise, they wouldn't end. So, I don't know. I th- I think maybe because my frame of reference is different. You know, I think about I, I watch a lot of hockey, obviously, and like more often than not, when players go away, they are welcomed back with open arms. You know? Absolutely. I mean, it's it's how you do it, and maybe time will heal all wounds. And you know. I, as we say, um, the immaculate extension was pretty fucking <laughs> awesome. I think I was sitting on this couch freaking out when that happened. Moving on. Well, do we want to talk about the uh, Rogers McCarthy schmear campaign? And I mean, that was a uh, that, that was a huge that, that a was huge a story. That thing. was a that was a revelation. I mean, I think that most people that awoke to the sports world in the football world realized Aaron Rodgers is a complete douchebag. Um, I, li- I like it, though. I, the the premise that this whole, his whole vendetta against McCarthy was because he wasn't picked first. No. So, anyway, Bleacher Report comes out with this, this groundbreaking story this week of what went wrong in Packerland um, over the years and why didn't this, why didn't Aaron Rodgers and this team with a lot of talent over the years not win more championships when they clearly had the talent to do so. They, you know, they only won the one. They almost blew it at, at that. And Ugh. you know, a lot of the pl- problems stem from the coaching. McCarthy was not innovative, and um, he never paid attention much to the defense, if at all. Uh, he went and got massages. He took massages who the players were getting, and in meetings, he would sneak the massage trainer out up the back, and he was getting massages, and he would let the assistant coaches run the meetings. Uh, so he wasn't around, um, but then he would take credit when things were going well, and um, you know he he wouldn't accept any of the responsibility when things were going poorly. And Rogers, and then the play call, like I said, was not innovative. It never evolved over the years. You have a talented player like Rogers. The offense stayed exactly the same. And if you've watched any Packer football, which I'm sure people have over the years, you saw that the offense became. It was the same thing over and over again, just slant routes and post routes, and basically to the point where the defenses knew exactly what was coming, and it became the offense was about Aaron Rodgers changing the play in the huddle because he didn't respect McCarthy's play-calling judgment, so he would change the play to a play of his preference, and then if he didn't see someone open right away, which he didn't, he would run around and try to find the long ball and make the highlight play. And this is what Rogers has become over the years. Oh, yeah. Just caring about his statistics. He's quick to escape the his, pocket. He wants to be outside the he, pocket. He, he cares about his statistics yeah. and the uh, sports center type plays uh, that show that he's the most talented quarterback in the world. But when it comes to like building and bettering an offense and being innovative, it, it, it just he wasn't on the same page and he was too spiteful with, about McCarthy. So they would never like, like come together and put their differences but like aside. 
and to try to build something better for the offense and for the team itself. Uh, so you saw what happened is the Packers crumbled as a team, as an organization over the years, each year just dwindling. And they you saw some like epic. You, so Rodgers bailed them out in some playoff games over the years. You know, he bailed them out in Arizona. Uh, but then there were some epic collapses. There was the collapse in Seattle where this guy right. Bo- Bostic who should have been cut, it turns out, in the story. They were saying that this guy shouldn't have even been on the team um, from a couple weeks earlier, but McCarthy messed up, and somehow the guy was still on the team, and he was on the hands special teams play, and the ball finds him and on the onside's kick, and it gets fumbled, and Seattle ends up winning the game and going to the Super Bowl. And then um, you know, there was just so much stuff in there, and former players willing to put their names on it, like borderline Hall of Fame receiver Greg Jennings, um, Basically calling right. Rodgers out and saying, you know, once you once you you're not part of the team anymore, he completely ignores you. It's like you're not part of his life. And Rodgers has done the same thing with his family members too. He doesn't speak to his family members, and which is a bizarre thing in and of itself. Jermichael Finley put his name to it. Um, they were saying how he dogged Jeff Janis when Jeff Janis was as a receiver was young there. There was just so many bits well, of information about how bad of a person... coming out and saying it's about, you know, a, a writer trying to elevate his career on crap and just trying to go in that defense after defense and finally and finally coming out to the point of saying, okay, coming to McCarthy's defense in some ways. Like, I love Mike McCarthy. I, he's always been one of my favorite and definitely one of my favorite head coaches. I'm like, why didn't you go to that point in the first place instead of, like, going to, like, the whole writer in the Schmear campaign and to defense, and why don't you just come out and just defend your coach in the first place and talk about how much of an outstanding guy he is. In the, but at 35, with the Vikings relevant and the Bears on the rise like they are, he's got a, a wall to climb. People are sure. saying that this – so Murphy told Aaron Rodgers, you read it at the end of the article, it says he said – you know, he didn't involve Rodgers in the hiring process for um, LaFleur, the new coach, mm-hmm. um, which is, which is you know, kind of a shocking development because you have a Hall of Fame, one of the best QBs of all time, and Aaron Rodgers, you would think that you would want to be... Wait, be I'm a- sorry. Can you say that sentence one, one more time? One of the best QBs of all time. Huh. He's not... Not the best. He's not the best. He's not Tom... I mean, clearly, Tom... I mean, he's not Tom Brady. But th- uh, this is why. But th- no Tony th- Romo. But, but this is why, because... <laughs> Tom Brady and Bill Belichick put differences aside for the common goal of winning, and there's no pettiness there. And the differences are night and day between Rodgers and Brady. And even though Rodgers is clearly more talented as a, as a thrower than Brady, Brady gets more out of what he 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 needs and for the team and oh, yeah. out of himself. And I hate the best. So anyway, they won in Dallas, and he walks out in a sheriff shooting uniform and like playing. He's, it's just how he plays his style. Spiteful. Yeah. Just that arrogance. So they were saying that Murphy, who's running the Packers, didn't involve Aaron Rodgers at all in the hiring process of new head coach LaFleur. And that the players product, right? players are saying that LaFleur is going to have a diff- difficult time with Rodgers and they would be stunned if Rodgers doesn't make this guy's job a living hell. So. <laughs> Because he's didn't the organization he's, go after McVay's little guy <coughs> Lafleur because they think he's going to open up and make this about Rodgers? Yeah, but the problem is Rodgers is hard to work with. Yeah, he just, he doesn't he's he's gonna he's gonna abandon the game plan early. He, he's gonna do what he wants to do, and that's right. it. There's right. no there's no changing anything. Rodgers is gonna do what Rodgers wants to do, and he, good luck getting to him. 
So, but the thing is, maybe LaFleur will pay, pay attention to the defense. There's some clearly McCarthy didn't do. He, he ignored the defense altogether. So, it definitely creates the chatter about this guy. What a damning story. It's going to be interesting how the defense would come at him and how they treat him, what's said across the line during the games. I mean, for your offensive players, the, the offensive players that Rodgers has played with over the years, for them to put their names to this is just like, you would never hear guys like Wes Welker. Randy Moss, Troy Brown, any of these guys Troy, uh, Tom Brady has played with over the years, you would never hear, you never hear them speak anything but glowingly about Tom Brady. So it just, it, it's like, it's a, re, it's a revelation. And Rogers just came out right before our show started and said everything is 100% false, which is, which is not true when it's coming from multiple sources who put their name on it. So you. Well, I think rarely you hear any team say anything not glowing about any quarterback who's successful over the years. You know, this is the. I think that's the biggest shocking thing about this. I mean, you know, Rogers was the golden boy. You know, uh, failing quarterbacks, I I get they just don't work the system. But like for quarterbacks to have multiple winning seasons, Super Bowl under their belt, you know, uh, MVPs and you know Pro Bowls, it's just it's just a hard thing to to really hear to accept. You know, but it's it's interesting how this definitely turned out against Rogers and see how the fallout continues for sure. And another part of it was how they said to never become what Brett Favre became at the end of his career, and that's exactly what he's become. Yeah. I think Brett Favre earned that a little bit more, but we shall see. And then there was a, a, there was another part of the story where Equinamius St. Brown, where they, Packers were at New England last year for that mm. Sunday night game, and St. Brown <coughs> was, the rookie rece- was a rookie receiver for the Packers, and... The coach McCarthy called a play call and sent it in, and um, St. Brown was supposed to run a post route, and he goes to the huddle, and Rogers tells him to run a flag route, and so St. Brown is like, Jesus, what do I do if if I if I listen to the coach, the quarterback's never going to throw me the ball. If I listen to the quarterback, the coach is never going to put me in. Design a player. So what do I do? Well, it turns out he listened to the quarterback, which to the quarterback, Rodgers is obviously the one still around, so I guess he made the smart move. But just think about that. Being on the line (laughs) of scrimmage in the NFL, what do I do? Do I listen to the coach or do I listen to the quarterback? This is what you're dealing with, Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers, the LeBron of the NFL. (laughs) All right. Okay. Well, that was our NFL rant for the moment. (laughs) Uh, so a uh, couple news and notes from the NHL real quick before we get into the West Coast leg of our prediction excited preview. Yes, you should be excited, uh, Marty. Your stars baby. are in. Woo-hoo. By the way, we didn't First discuss this card. earlier, but we're gonna have to come up with a schedule of shows and how we're gonna work this playoff format. Because obviously, the playoffs there's gonna be a game next Monday at seven for the Bruins, yeah. so we're gonna have to figure some some something out. But um, we'll get back to the listeners we can post that through uh twitter and instagram yeah check out our facebook and, and, and our uh, facebook as well because playoffs are obviously why we live oh yeah absolutely <laughs> uh alex ovechkin uh wrapped up his second rocket richard trophy in a row uh and for the eighth time in his 13 years in the league uh, with 51 goals in 81 games, he is the only player to have eight scoring uh, goal-scoring titles, surpassing the great Hall of Famer Bobby Hull. I talk about him all the time. It's it's, it's kind of one of those things where uh, where I hate him, but God damn it, do I respect him. Um, 
Alex Ovechkin is the greatest goal scorer you're gonna probably hate ever. You're going to hate him again in two weeks. <laughs> yeah, more than likely. Another Russian, Nikita Kucherov, wrapped up that the, was big. the Art Roast Memorial tro- uh, Trophy uh, for the scoring leader, Ty. Well, the bigger news is that he became the all-time season um, Russian scoring champ. Oh, yeah. Passing Alexander Mogilny. Yep. Which, those of you who used to play NHL 94 back in the day... Alexander Mogilny was a legend. Absolutely, yeah. 128 points. Also tying the team at 128 points. Um, Matching the Red Wings. 94-95 Red Wings. Yep. Which, I mean, that's one of those teams. 62 wins. It's one of those teams that uh, you, when it happened, you thought it would never, never happen again. Right. Absolutely crazy stuff that we've seen. Uh, the, and one more note that I wanted to bring up before we get into it. The Panthers fired co- coach Bob Bugner uh, saying, uh, and they put out a press release saying that they were uh, looking for somebody with a little bit of cup pedigree. As soon as they put that statement out, um, I was like, holy shit, they're getting Q. Um, and sure as shit, two days later or so, uh, Joel Quenville is uh, formerly of the Blackhawks, Chicago Blackhawks, heard of him. Three-time champ. Three-time champ, yep. And uh, what makes this really interesting, at least for me, is um, Panarin's on the record is saying that he loved playing for Q. Most most guys who, who have played for Joel Quenville love playing for him. He's a great coach, uh, player's coach, you know, really has great rapport with all the guys. The Florida Panthers is a place where it's been speculated already that Artemi Panarin could land. The Russians love to go someplace warm, you know? I mean, it's time for those Florida guys to win. They've been together for a while, so it's it's time for them to win. Get some good coaching and get... Uh, They're going to need a goaltender, too. Luongo like be on his way out. Yeah, yeah. So why not bring uh, why not bring Bob with him? There you go. All right. That would be Sergei Bobrovsky. Oh, yeah. Bobrovsky. Is like Bill Bratsky? <laughs> so uh names in the nutshell they just get me we'll uh we'll get right into it then we're gonna start on the west coast and uh work our way in uh marty if you'd care to do the honors Ooh, absolutely so we got the matchup in the west coast we got calgary flames going against the colorado avalanche your thoughts boys and uh, let's crack one for the NHL. Uh, oh, I like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nothing says NHL hockey like Modelo Mexican beer. And a <laughs> truly spiked seltzer. <laughs> Living. Slam a couple of those with the boys after a game. Okay, so this series That's a, that's opens... a good way to get beat up in the parking that's lot. That's right. Okay, <laughs> so this series opens in Calgary on Thursday, this coming Thursday, April 11th at 10 o'clock. Um... Calgary is obviously the favorite here. Yeah, what's the line, John? Uh, Calgary minus one ninety. So right. pretty, pretty decent sized favorite here. Um, yeah, I mean, Colorado kind of clunked into the playoffs here. Um, McKinnon had career high, really carried the team. It was kind of a kind of a one man show, especially with Miko Rantanen uh, going down um, for large parts of the season. Um, so, but the problem with Colorado is they're mainly one line. One trick pony, yeah. Yeah, yeah. the the McKinnon, Ranton, and Landeskog line, that's where they get it all done. Uh, McKinnon had 41 goals, 58 assists. 
Um, but Johnny Gaudreau kind of cancels him out with another 99 points, 36 goals, 63 assists. Did he land on 99? Yep, they oh, both that's did. that's too bad. Yep. 100, 100 means something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll we'll get to... Uh, to a, Brad Marchand? I was going to say Sidney Crosby, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Marchand reached 100 for the first time. Uh, Calgary was the only NHL team to have five players with 70 points. So it's Shit. goal it's goal scoring out the ass over there. Um, so it should be a fun series. It'll be a great series. Yeah, I think it's going to be um, a little bit of fire wagon. Um, the Avs, they are on a roll. Uh, they haven't allowed more than three goals in their last 10 games, um, with, with the exception of the last game of the year, which was a meaningless 5-3 loss to the Sharks. Uh, I believe it was, and um, but they so they go on this run. They make it into the playoffs. Um, a lot of the teams they played on that run though were, eh. Yeah, yeah, the, but the one legit team, the one playoff team in during that run that they played. Or actually, there's two: was Winnipeg and Vegas. But other, Bruins, other than that, it's a bunch of non-playoff. Bruins teams. gonna beat Florida. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Cal- Calgary's gonna lie, rely a lot on uh, Captain Mark. Giordano, um, Vezina finalist. He's come on this strong. Year. Oh yeah, he's awesome. It, you know what? I think he's. If I have a a late prediction for for Vesna, it's going to be Giordano. Just as one of those like, um, like when they gave it to Dowdy a couple years ago. You know, like it's his time. You know, he's putting. Wait, it, Vezina's goalie. Oh, excuse me, not uh, Vesna. Um, I wrote down Vesna because I'm an idiot. Defenseman, you're talking defenseman. Norris, excuse yeah. me. I'm a fucking idiot. Um, take a drink. Yeah, yeah. I'll take a drink. <laughs> but it's it's gonna be. I think it's his time. You know. I think that's that seems to be the general consensus that they're gonna. The flames be, always. Flame mind the pun. Flame out. Yeah. yeah. But but here's the thing. It's gonna be. What's gonna decide this series is whether they can score more goals than they let up. Thank you, John Madden, for that brilliant analysis. <laughs> but, that but, was Madden analysis. But, but, but really, uh, you know, you got Mike Smith back there and David Riddick um, uh, manning the goal line you for... Faith uh, in either one of those guys? Not at all. Not at all. Run. And Philip Grubauer is doing, doing well lately. Uh, 7-0-2 in his last nine starts. After Grubauer started the first two games for the Washington for the Capitals, Capitals yep. last year in the playoffs. Yep. So he's, you know, he's look. this is kind of a redemption tour for him. Yeah. Um, that, all, that all being said, I don't see a way <coughs> that Colorado can eke this out. Um, How many games do you think Calgary takes them in? I think it takes seven. Do you think it goes seven? I think it goes all the way because, because of goaltending. So you're going seven games here? I'm going to write that down. Yeah. Right. I was gonna say six, but if you want, if you want to do it for the show, we can go seven. All right, we got it. We just we're just picking the winner. So, all right. So flames and seven, Marty. Flames and seven. All right, got it right there. So we can move on now to uh, San Jose Sharks and uh, Vegas Golden Knights. We're gonna differ here because you're fanboy here. Yeah, this is for but but for me, um, this all is a goalie. This is a goalie matchup. That's that's the only thing this is, and um, Flurry's coming off of an injury. Um, he might not be too fresh. Usually, it it takes a while. You know, you got to see a bunch of shots to get to get really into it. But Martin Jones is is bad. 
He is a big question mark for the San Jose Sharks. And I don't see necessarily them being able to overcome that. His save percentage in the regular season is an 896. Like, that is... That is poopy, and he is three six and one in their last ten. Um, so the, going looking at the numbers, so the Sharks are minus one forty, um, which is their favorite. It's a decent sized favorite. I I like the Sharks here. I just think they have more fire firepower. Um, I don't think that Martin Jones is anything fantastic, but I just think they have more firepower. So I would be inclined. To I just agree. feel like the Sharks have been together longer, and I would, you know, I would and be inc- they've played together longer, and they know how to get it done. They... I would be inclined to agree with you, but I think stylistically this matchup really favors the Golden Knights. You think about the kind of uh, puck-moving defensemen that the Sharks have and the yeah. way they play, and they're always pinching at the walls, and the Golden Knights game really um, relies on the counter punch right and so you get that turnover at the blue line and it comes back fast and that you know that that first line especially or actually all four other lines you know have that speed and that tenacity and you got to remember they're still a team of of um you know low first and and second rounders throughout the whole throughout the whole lineup you know no huge stars but, you know, everybody is pretty good. Um, Vegas adding Mark Stone at the deadline uh, has been awesome for them. Um, and and here's, a, here's a stat that I really like that kind of pushes it over for me. The line of Marchessault, Smith, and Carlson has 57 points in 18 games against the Sharks. So I think they can do a lot of damage if, if they can roll their lines and stay out of the box um, and get some good goaltending. Well, am I the Sharks... You know, pretty strong favorites in this one. Maybe they're trying to get the money on the other side, considering that the Golden Knights are the defending um, conference champions. Wow, I like the Sharks here, but that's just me. So Marty, based on uh, we've we've both pleaded our case. Uh, I'm gonna go Golden Knights, but question is how many games? And I like, and here's the other thing: is is I'm rooting for. A good watch. I want good watches. So for me, what what stylistically and I just think a good watch will be the Calgary Flames San Jose Sharks matchup in the second round. I th- I would really enjoy that. You so, wouldn't want to see the rematch. No, I would like a Sharks Flames. Huh. But that's just me. All right. I, well, I got Vegas in six. I pick, I, I took Vegas out of the argument here. So. What are you guys saying as far as how many games uh, does it take for Vegas to do this? Is this another seven games? Well, John John doesn't think it's going to happen. Yeah. I no, think it's I six, got, so maybe sharks. maybe we split the difference at seven. Sure. Seven games. All right, I have that down as Nesto's pick, but as a show's pick, Golden Knights moving on. Now we're moving on to uh, Nashville Predators. I think this is going to be an easy pick for all of us against the Dallas Stars here. Glad the Stars made it into the playoffs, but... Uh, we are talking about the Predators here. Here, um, I'll call. I'll I'll do do I don't one. even follow. Nashville, off. four games to one. <laughs> Moving on. I was, I was going to say zero wins for the Stars. I did yeah, a little Bishop's bit of a good on goalie. Um, I mean, he may be able to steal a game, maybe or two, but he's not going to. I don't think he'll steal the series. So here's, I I don't think it's going to be a blowout. I think it's going to be a little closer than. Um, what's the line? Nashville minus one sixty five. So I think it's going to be a little um, 
a little closer than the line would suggest. Uh, Na- John, did you know that Nashville has the worst power play in the league? I did not know that. Well, I, you know, I just you especially know, with you're guys, talking. Ty, you're going to try to convince me that Tyler Sagan in the playoffs is going to do something. I'm not going to believe you. Oh. <laughs> I'm not going to believe you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, with guys like you know Subban and Forsberg and Johansson yeah, and Granlin and Romanosi, day unfinished business. Yeah, yep. They they're certainly going to be hungry after getting embarrassed last year, and and Dallas certainly lacks depth, and. The Na- Nashville's all depth, especially on the blue line, um, and I like what they did adding Wayne Simmons, um, who is who's always been kind of a, a a player that I admired, like hated but admired, obviously because his the Flyers. game doesn't really fit this this era NHL anymore. The he's more he's big, you know, he's kind of big and plodding. So, but I guess he fits Nashville a little bit. Yeah, and, and you know, stand by the net and collect, you know, collect his points. But... The the horn the Hornquist position. Yeah. Um. Predators own the regular season record three to two, but I I cannot get away from um what a choke artist Pecorina is in his, you know his he playoff. Huh? Sorry. Pecorina. This sounds funny. Sorry. <laughs> sounds like a euphemism for yeah, like, a, for like if you have like a micro penis, it's a pecorine. <laughs> uh, his playoff numbers are fucking terrible. He has a 706 save percentage and a 304 goals against. And, you know, Ben Bishop's been kind of played by injuries all year, uh, but he seems to be sort of hitting his stride. Um, his playoff numbers. You know, granted, he played a lot of that in front of a Tampa team, but um, you know, nine two seven save percentage, two oh nine goals against. That's not insignificant. Um, that all said, I think Predators in in six. In six. I'm I had five, but yeah. All right. I'm giving Johnny the five. I think they, the you, mark my words, John. These games are going to be a little closer than than we expect. What do you mean? You think they're well, oh, you... oh, the Nashville Dallas series? Yeah. All right. We'll see can if Sagan and Ben can, can get it going. Let's see. Well, moving on, we got the Winnipeg Jets and the St. Louis Blues. This is a tough. This is one's basically even. Um, Winnipeg's minus one twenty. Winnipeg's the home team, um, but Winnipeg minus one twenty. So this one is going to be the. the what Vegas says is the, basically a, almost a coin toss. So, this I don't know. I don't know who to call. You can flip my coin. Who's here. the hotter I, team right now? Um, the Blues. Oh my Blues. fucking god! Well, the Blues yeah. have Bennington, who's been a revelation at goaltender this year. But twenty-four, five and one goals like against of one eighty-nine. The Jets last year were like the, the hot flavor flavor. They had the home crowd and they had I, it going last year, and I just feel like they haven't been able to reach quite that level this year. Um, for Winnipeg, so Pat and St. Louis is coming on. You remember? But can they steal a game in Winnipeg? God fucking <laughs> damn it, John! Do you remember earlier this uh, this year? I predicted that Winnipeg would be the Western Conference representative in the Stanley Cup. Okay. Um, 
I don't necessarily think that's the case anymore. I like Winnipeg. But I like Winnipeg too. But Here's the teams I like. Patrick, let, me t- let me let me just lay my cards on the table here. <laughs> let me just tell you who I like. That way we get my biases out of the way. Are we jumping out of this? No, this I like I like the Jets. Head? I like the Winnipeg Jets. I have always liked the Winnipeg Jets, even before they came back into the league. I like the Sharks and I like the Calgary Flames and Predators a little bit. Those are my I likey teams. Me likey. Easy to root for. That's what I like. I like their uniforms. Oh, Christ oh, Almighty! Uh, Patrick Lina has one goal in his last nineteen games. Oof. He has eleven goals in his last sixty games. Oof! He started the season so friggin' mm-hmm. hot. He had like eighteen goals in five games. It was nuts. What about old man Blake Wheeler and I can never Mark say Mike Shifley. Yeah, I can never Mark say Mark Yeah. Uh, they they are playing very well. Although Connor Halbeck's having a down year after you know his Vezina runner-up year last year, um, it is tough to play in Winnipeg on the road. You know, with the whole whiteout thing. Yeah, they get that's fired fun. up. That's in fun. That, they get fired up in that building. That's fun. Um, that said, and St. Louis is always a choker city, isn't it for hockey? Like, isn't the blue like? Aren't they always singing the blues about the, the hockey in St. Louis? Like, it's, it, they're like a class. They're almost like the Leafs. They've never had a Jordan Bennington, though. And I think if Jordan Bennington can continue to do what he's done in this last 30, you know, 30 game run that he's had uh, with a save percentage of 927, the Blues are going to win in seven. Okay. Oof. I mean, I'm not. I told you it's a coin toss for me, so I'm. I'm not going to argue here. All right. You seem more passionate about it next time. You're going Blues here in seven. All right. All right. So that's. Uh, that's taking us down to uh, matching up out of this bracket. We're going all the way over here. Yeah, might as well. Okay, so we're going uh, Calgary now uh, against Vegas Golden Knights. Calgary and Vegas in the second round. Yep. Calgary, baby. Hmm. Yeah, I, I think my my Mark Andre Fleury bias is pulling me towards the Golden Knights, but I have a hard time believing they're gonna have the same level of success as they did last year. Right. Uh, Johnny Ham and Cheese, Johnny Gaudreau, Johnny Hockey. Calgary's been a fire team all year long. They're hungry. They've been, right. And they're they, ready for it. They, they came out of the gates fast, and they've put that the foot on the pedal. And if it wasn't for Tampa Bay being Tampa Bay, I think people would be talking about Calgary as the top team in the NHL. So, all right, Calgary moves on. Now you guys are talking uh, right here, going by your prediction or Johnny's prediction, five or six game for the Predators. You're talking about the Blues coming out a tough uh, series against the Jets. You're thinking it's going to go seven games. Is that enough for us for the Predators to take on the Blues and come out on top of that? I think the Blues. I think the Magic three games to none lead, and the Predators come back and win the series. Wow, that's a Blues move right there. That is a Blues move. I do think they run out of magic at that point. Um, rookie goaltender, it's hard to, you know, hard to put all that pressure on him. That's mm. a big stage. We'll, no telling how he's going to react there. Um, how does the format go in hockey? It's, it's seven games all the way through. No, I'm talking to you like two, three, two, like two. I mean, two, like is, uh, it's two, oh, two, 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 one, 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 two, two, one, one, one. Okay, I didn't know exactly how that went in hockey. All right, so we got you're going to take uh, Predators. Mm-hmm. I like this Predators Calgary. I like that. All right. I don't want to. Play I don't it. have an answer for you here, but I'm just. I like it. <laughs> I like it. 
Um, jeez. It's, I mean, so much in hockey, the, the, it's such a war of attrition by this point. You have some pretty significant injuries going on. I think that's going to play a huge factor in um, who who pulls out of this. Another Canadian to jump in the wall. So Let's it's go Calgary versus the Predators. Let's go Calgary for fun, man. Yeah, I mean, given I, given the choice between the, the world two, to Johnny Gaudreau, and... I don't, I don't think, I don't think Pecorine has it. Calgary in would have home ice here. Right? Yeah, say we go, go Calgary. Calgary. All right, now it's gonna get personal. Calgary, the Flames, jumping over the East. Well, we're gonna hit the East. Oh, we're uh, gonna at the break, right? We're yeah, talk we're about a little bit at the break. We're gonna take a break, but before we head into the break, uh, boys, we got the NCAA championship. Uh, Texas Tech Raiders versus Woo-hoo! Red Raiders, Virginia Virginia Cavaliers. Cavaliers, yeah. thank you. Um, yeah, I, th- I think I'm on the the Red Raiders side. Um, my aunt and uncle uh, met at Texas Tech. Uh, really? Yep. Yeah. Their their um, their two boys went to Texas Tech. One yeah. one still goes. One just graduated. Some, uh, high school buddies who graduated Texas Tech. A little shout out to John Skelton and. Chip Mayfield, Brooke Wagner also graduated, and a uh, good friend of mine, Anthony Garcia, asked me to give him a shout out. He listens to our show down in Texas. He is all about the Red Raiders. This uh, crappy little town up in the Panhandle of Texas is really buzzing right now. I'm still pulling for that Michigan State Virginia matchup for the show. We've been like on a roll at that point between football and baseball, going into uh, the World Series last year on a roll, predicting our final teams in these matchups uh tech definitely ran over didn't run over but definitely handled michigan state uh which was kind of surprising to me because culver was held to 10 points uh but he saved them all for late yeah and uh mooney just stepped up for that team with 22 points uh but we said uh, a little controversial game going over in virginia going uh, against auburn in the late calls johnny with uh a uh, guy getting fouled at the last minute. You know, I watched that again before we sat down and started this show. It definitely, you, when you interrupt the area of landing in a three-point shot, it is, by book, a call. It's to put, it's to keep players safe, not coming down to other players' feet, breaking ankles, such. Um, but, Just, by the, but like Bruce Pearl says, our, our funny uh, boss hog of a jackass, Bruce Pearl, uh, I was like, if you're going to call that call, call it in the first half. Call it in late in the game. Don't Shitty call it in the last the three seconds. Lose or win a game. Yeah. Um, but everybody praising DeAndre Hunter for this team. And I don't think I'm going going off uh, kind of the guys that they're talking about early in the show that I, I think he's the third best player on this team behind Guy and uh, Jerome. Jerome. Ty Jerome's the their he's guy. He's a beast. He almost had, I mean, four more assists. He has, he has a triple-double in this game. Um I just think this is going to be a coach's duel. Um, but this team definitely both have great offenses, but they they live and die by their defense. So it's going to be an interesting game to see how it goes about. Um, the over-under is 118. Yeah, um, everybody's take, saying it's going under. I think it's going to go over. I think it's going to go because over. Because everyone's betting on the under. Yeah, I think it's going to go over as well. Everyone's like, I they're think, not going to score 100 points, which I, makes sense. Right. But, but when they said it at 118, it's like, if I'm gambling here, if I'm putting money on I'd the side, say over. take the over. Yeah, because everybody's leaning that yeah. way. Um, definitely Tech needs Moretti to get off, uh, needs the Italian Steins to make some outside shots to spread that floor for Culver. Michigan State did a really good job on him last week. They were able to close the box in on those guys, so it was really hard for them to get to the basket. 
be interesting to see if Owens for Tech uh, with the hurt foot, how he plays tonight. You need that guy on the floor. Uh, 13 blocks in this tournament. Their opponents, Nesto, leading up this only have 12 blocks against this team. And this guy has 13 blocks against the whole field. He is a defensive nightmare. Um, and he could he really need him in the game to really deal with the likes of Jerome and Hunter inside. Um, Johnny, any thoughts on this game? Uh, just from an offense or defensive standpoint, you see anybody standing out in this game? Well, you know, I'm... I- I think Kyle Guy could be the difference in this game, whether he can hit those threes or not, because we saw early on in the tournament, he would he start one for his first twenty four shooting yeah. threes in the tournament, but then he hit five threes the other the other day. Um, not not the last game, but in the Elite Eight game, he hit five threes. Um, so his three point shot is coming along, and I you know obviously he hit those three winning free throws um, in the clutch and the big time clutch and one of the biggest moments you can ever be the other day. So I think that might give him confidence. So. I think whether or not Virginia wins or loses this game may, because I think Jerome's going to do what he does, um, and I think DeAndre Hunter will be, you know, average DeAndre Hunter as he has been the entire tournament. I think the difference maker, whether Virginia wins or loses, will maybe is going to come down to Kyle Guy. Can he hit his threes? Can he get to five, six threes made, or is he going to be cold and he have zero, one, or two? And I think that'll be the difference for Virginia, win or lose. Yeah, I mean, it's, it was interesting that last game against uh, Auburn because you're talking about a team that was three from nine from the line ended up that less than 50%, ended up at 50% in free throw shooting. He hits the big three biggest shots, three biggest free throws of the game to push them over the top. Both teams going in the last game did not have, were not great from the free throw line. So well, so I think when you're when the teams like this, they go from basketball arenas to they go to football fields. And the shooting depth, depth perception is crazy. It changes. So both these teams have played in the eighty thousand seat football arena, Metro, the Metrodome, um, or whatever the Minneapolis Stadium is called now. Um, they played Saturday night. They each played a game. So this is yeah. their second game. So I think they're going to be more accustomed to it. Hence another reason why I think the the scoring will go over one eighteen total right. points in this game because I think the shooters will have a better feel for it in this game as far as the depth. So. It's definitely the big three against the big three. You're talking Mooney, Culver, Moretti uh, for uh, Tech going up against Guy, DeAndre uh, Hunter, and Ty Jerome. I, I think it's going to go down to the second second down guys, and I, I'm I'm rooting for Tech. I really think uh, if Moretti can really get going, like you said, it's just almost like with Guy with the outside shooting. If they can spread that floor, I think Culver's the hardest guy to stop on that team. He's the hardest guy to stop on the whole court between both teams. Um, but... I think the biggest question mark right now is Owens, and if Owens does not play for Tech and he's not that presence in the middle, I think it changes everything for Tech against Virginia. And if he does not play a significant amount of minutes, I think Virginia wins. But I'm rooting for Tech. So Virginia is a one-point favorite. One-point favorite. Uh... All right, so we're going to start the game, um, and we will get back to you at the half for our thoughts then and the – Eastern Conference. <clears throat> NHL picks, right? Yes, sir. Okay. So uh, while we do that, you guys enjoy Kyle Guy talking post-game uh, after uh, the victory over Auburn. Here with the guy, and they're talking about that call, the controversial call. You get fouled. You get to the free throw line. Take us through that play first off. Yeah, it was a great uh, uh, you know, draw by coach. We've ran it all year. 
and I've gotten a lot of shots in that corner, and we've gotten a lot of uh, dug downs. So Dre was the other option. I was open for a split second. Ty had confidence in me, and you know, controversial or not, it doesn't matter. We, we got the win. I've never been a part of something that's like controversial, but I mean. You know, I just, I, I can't even express how I feel right now. What's it like when you're standing on the line and have to hit those three free throws? I could lie to you and say I knew I was going to hit them, but I was terrified. Um, I had confidence in myself, but this is what we dream of. And, um, you know, for, for me to be able to, to do this for our team, I, I couldn't be happier. All right, and we're back. Um, some... Pretty candid words from a from a young kid on a big stage. Terrified, John. He was terrified. I mean, yeah. But <laughs> still came through in the clutch. He's a clutch shooter for he sure. He said, yeah, what did he say? Once he, once he hit the first one, he was good to go. He knew he was going to hit the second and third. And even though Bryce Brown had the choke signal, which I thought was illegal ever since in, in basketball. I don't know what the NCAA rules are, but yeah. in the NBA, you know, you can't you do can't that. You can't make that, gestures like that gesture. But, but Bryce Brown was behind him making the, the choking signal. Only when you become a professional and you have a lot of money and, you know, can hey, go to court, do you, do you do stupid things like that? They have a lot of money. Did you see Zion Williamson today? Got paid from Nike? Yeah. Which which is the least surprising thing I think we're all oh, finding absolutely. out. Uh, this is... Is that... Do we get a number on that contract yet? Or he... <laughs> I, I mean, it just, come on. You knew he was getting something to go to Duke. Oh, I, I just wish Coach K would, you know, get busted somehow. Because you know he's in... A little crook. Yeah. Little rat. He looks like a rat. He's a little rat. Rat face. <laughs> rat face fuck. Do you guys like, uh, <laughs> did you like the graphic from our last show that I put up? Coach K yelling. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I, it's, it's, ah, I'm so glad they're still, they didn't make it. So glad. Uh, Johnny we, called it. Absolutely. Uh, do we want to recap the half and then yeah. jump into the NHL? I mean, uh, 32-29 at the half, Virginia. Up yeah. by three. Tech didn't even score from the field until uh, For seven over, over seven minutes in the game. Yeah, 7.25. Went a little 22-point run. Thanks from a spark off the bench by Francis. Uh, Culver still having a hard time getting going. They were just trying to do this pass and switch thing to create space. It's really not been a, a great move by their part. Um, and on the other end, Virginia's scoring's a little bit spread out all over the place. Uh, guy obviously hitting some big shots. Jerome's doing his part. And, and Hunter's, uh, I think he's four, uh, three or three of the free throw lines. So he got a late bucket. Oh, that late bucket, yeah, to, at the very end there as well. Um, both defenses trapping up front. We knew what the defense was going to bring. Um, that late bucket gets those uh, betters for the over at halftime. Johnny at the last minute. It was so, one second ago. Second Jerome hits go. a three to make it 32-29. Yeah, so, Otherwise, if you had first half over, you were going to yeah. lose a heartbreaking fashion. But yeah, thankfully, absolutely. Jerome gets you over and take, Unless, your, take your tickets to the window. Cash them. And I think as attrition and things settle in, these scores even being higher, I think we're going to look somewhere uh, at the end of the game, uh, you know, 69, maybe eking into the 70s at that point for, for at least one team. Um, but both teams had their hands full. I, I think, Nesto, you kind of called it when we stopped at half there, saying Tech's got to be happy about where they're at, especially starting out. They were down, uh, I believe, uh, 12-3 at one point. They were down 10. 
seven seventeen before Francis went on that uh, three point run. That great run hit three in a row. I told Johnny if it was NBA jams, that kid would be on fire at that point. He was he definitely uh, lit him up off the uh, off the bench and spark they needed. Uh, yeah, and uh, we had a little tortilla incident. Red Raiders. Hey, come on, Lubbock fans. You know, get a little class. It's not the football game. This is uh, this is the national stage here. Hmm. <laughs> For sure. Why would you throw if you're a Virginia fan? Tortillas, Texas. What's Virginia? Uh, I don't think. I have no idea. I can't even place it, it on I don't there. know. I don't. <laughs> I thought of something, but it's far too racist. So I'm gonna keep that to myself. <laughs> We'll talk about that off the air. Curious <laughs> minds need to know. Anyway, uh, guys, let's uh, let's keep this thing going. Let's jump into uh, Eastern Conference. I got uh, I got a... the Bruins Invitational. Oh, oh Christ! <laughs> He's already throwing the first gauntlet down right there for you. Uh, so to be interesting, we'll we'll jump around here uh, to leave you two guys for the last. But let's jump into uh, this year's. Uh, Champions, Tampa Bay Lightning's taking President's on. Trophy winner. That's right. Uh, Columbus Blue Jackets, how do you guys see in this uh, series going, kicking off? Tampa's For- minus 235. Ooh. So you saying Blue Jackets But Columbus have a is chance. a good team. That's the Columbus thing. Is a great that t- just shows how good Tampa Bay is. Tampa Bay, hats off to them. 62 wins. We talked about it earlier. Uh, tying the, was a 93, 90, 94. Yeah. Uh, Red Wings for most wins ever uh, by a team, most points. Regular season. Regular season, yeah, of course. Unbelievable. These guys are nuts. Does Uh, does Columbus have a chance to take down the mighty Lightning? The Lightning Lightning have not been for as good as they've been over the years, and they've been good for years. They have not been a great playoff team. Right. You know, they won that cup way back when, but that was a different, it was what, 05? 05 when they won? Okay, so, but aside from that, of this generation of Tampa Bay Lightning, they have been great in the regular season. Not this great, but they've been great, and they haven't been a great playoff team. Can Columbus, who's been put together by the trade deadline acquisitions and guys on expiring con- contracts, they've kind of put things together lately. They've been playing well. Are they Do coming, they have a they, chance to take down the Lightning? So, so Bobrovsky's coming in hot at oh, the end of the so season. Hot. Yeah. He went uh, ten and three with four shutouts to end the season, and he only gave up um, more than two goals three times in that run. Um, but we can't ignore the fact that he has an eight ninety one uh, save percentage in the playoffs, which is just god awful. And, and you see him not not perform well on big stages in general. I mean, the only only other place we've seen Bobrovsky on a stage similar to this was um, the Olympics, and he did play okay in that in the USA game that went to the, you know, ridiculous um, shootout with T.J. Oshie, uh, American hero. Um, I used to like him back then because he played for the Blues, so now that he plays for the Capitals, I fucking anyway. hate him. But uh, T.J. Oshie, American hero, Jane's like six out of nine um uh shootout attempts Bobrovsky loses goes on to completely shit the bed for the rest of the tournament the uh Russians don't even place um and th- that was in Sochi that was a big fucking deal mm-hmm. uh so he he seems to crumble on the on the big stages um so but every the, dog has his day the the, the obvious 
the obvious take for David this. David Price choked. The, the obvious take for this is that Columbus is going to get steamrolled. So when I was approaching this, I thought, okay, what do they have to do to win? What is the path of, of victory for Columbus here? Um, Keep up in goals. Yeah. Victor Hedman is still listed nursing. as questionable for, for game one. So, But they're deep defensively. Even their third line defense is pretty incredible. Campus. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're deep. They're deep all around. Sorelli. They're deep all around. Uh, Lightning, of course, swept the regular season, outscoring the Jackets seventeen to three. Shit, me! That was the that's the, was the regular season. Yeah. All right, so we just call this a clean sweep. And <laughs> and here's the thing too: they went six for eleven on the power play. Um, so, what the Jackets need is they need Bob to be hot. I was hoping Columbus could pull this out. They got to stay out of the box, and they got to get. Matt Duchesne has to do something since the since the trade deadline. He hasn't really shown much, and and even in Ottawa, he he wasn't a big time player. didn't didn't show up in the big moments. Um, douche, douche. <laughs> but here here's the thing too: if we're if we're just looking at this in an in, intangibles, in you know, from an intangibles perspective, um, this is the last fucking shot for Columbus for a while. Because they're losing Panarin, they're losing Bobrovsky at the end of the season. They went all in on all these guys. Um, but does that and have they, more of a positive effect, or does that help in the quit factor if they get down early? And often? they've never won a they've never won a playoff series. I mean, this isn't the time to start. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying they could they could I'm have just trying to be too get, cute right now. You're get one of those you are. a little bit of hope and drama <laughs> chip on their shoulders. Because last time I asked for a hot bob, I came up empty handed. Anyway, so. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fair enough. That said, Tampa uh, Bay, Tampa and five, Tampa and five, gentlemen sweep. Yeah. All right. So moving on, we're going to jump to uh, your most beloved team, the Washington Capitals here, Ernesto, against the Carolina Hurricanes. How are you guys seeing this series going? Um, Capitals coming off a sweep Capitals of the season. Capitals are minus season. 145 in this one. Capitals are coming so off a... So it's of... not the, what you what you think. It's a, the, the line isn't what you would think. You would think the defending champions would be bigger favorites in this. Yeah, but the storm surge, Johnny, bunch of jerks. These guys are exactly. These guys are the the that's hot what I'm ticket saying. item. That's what I'm. That's what I'm leading you into. Is yeah. there might be something here with Carolina? You know what I mean? Because I think everybody would say, "Oh, the Capitals should take this easy," but the line's only minus one forty-five. So tell me why Carolina? Um, well, Capitals swept the season series, outscoring the Canes fifteen to nine. It's not helping. <laughs> yep, ya boy, Sebastian Ajo scored six of those nine goals. Mm-hmm. So they need him to be hot. But they're a different team since the the trade of that they acquired. Um, Nino Ryder. Yeah, that was a big acquisition. Yeah, Nino Nino Ryder uh, from Minnesota. Since he's been there, he's got fourteen goals, thirty points in thirty eight games. And also for Washington, Michael Kempney being out uh, for the season with that torn hamstring. Now, granted, they still have John Carlson, Niskanen, Norlov, uh, Juice Orpik. You know, they're still a, a pretty formidable blue line. Obviously, we don't need to talk too much about uh, Washington's offensive prowess with the uh, Rocket Richard Trophy winner, Alex Ovechkin, shooting bombs from the uh, 
from the right circle. Capitals were rolling. They were dominant in March. Yeah. And they've, you know, they're they are a team that is built for the playoffs. They have a, a you know, a goalie in Braden Holpe that, you know, he's just got ice water in his veins and nothing nothing gets to this guy. Um they have the scoring up front. They got the grid up front too with both Ovechkin and uh and Tom Dickhead Wilson. Um so these teams played recently, two weeks ago, uh, back-to-back nights at Washington, and um, Washington won four to one, and then two nights later they played in Carolina. Washington won three to two, and that yeah. so this is when Carolina's been also playing well, also. So the uh, the Capitals have seven twenty goal scorers, so they spread they spread the love around, and and they can really get it done with with a lot a lot of in a lot of different ways. Um, the line smells fishy, though. How, well, maybe it's because of Mr. Game 7, Justin Williams, uh, captaining the Canes. The X Factor, there you go. You know, uh, and, it, you know, Ajo had uh, 30 goals, 80 points, but you, you also can't forget about Tuvo Teravainen and uh, Andrei Svechnikov. The Hurricanes have been sneaky good this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... And, and, you know... In the second half of the year. I'm definitely going to be pulling for the Canes to, to pull this out. Because um, I think we would match up well against them. Uh, we got a little bit more going on in the back end, I think, as far as... Um, <laughs> Sorry, I was looking at... You're looking at my ass? It's like a <laughs> like two chicken cutlets glued to the top of my legs. What are you fucking talking about? So, are we going to be chalk donkeys here and go with the Capitals, or are we going to live on the edge and go with the Hurricanes for the upset? <clears throat> so, what it what it comes down to me, for me, is uh, Holtby versus Mrazek. Um, Holtby, in 82 games, has a goals against average of 204 and a save percentage of 929. Mrazek's only had 11 games in the postseason. From an outside perspective, as, as somebody that doesn't have anything invested in this, I know you guys are probably going to play with your hearts in the next two matchups we're talking about, being the Bruins and then your Penguins matched up. So be smart about this pick here for our, for our, our whole prediction. Well, that's Ernesto's next opponent in here. Yeah. yeah. I... Not what you what you wish to see, but this is about like what's going to happen in our minds. I think everyone's going to go Capitals, but that, like I said, that line, only minus 145 for the Capitals, is a little bit on the fishy side for me. Like, for instance, the Bruins are minus 150 over over um, Toronto, and I would consider that a closer close close series. So for the Bruins to be a slightly fa- heavier favorite than the Capitals are over the Hurricanes, there's something fishy about that to me. Or do you feel like there's a lot of closer matchups on this side? So it's just Vegas in a lot of ways... Just trying to kind of keep the betting on an equal platform. No, because I'm sure a lot of them. No, because no, because no. I mean, anyone who bets hockey is going to be betting on the, the defending champs, Capitals, yeah. Ovechkin, and you, you know. So that's that's why. Because, well, that's what I'm saying. You know, they're trying I mean? to create. I just a, feel a sense like of leeriness here. Or they'll, 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 I feel it for me. It seems like they'll take your Capitals money because the Hurricanes are going to win. Yeah. All right. But I, I mean, I mean, it's a sensible pick. In my. It, it, my opinion is the Capitals. Yeah, I have the Capitals. I I f- have them written down here as the Capitals in five, but um, 
after kind of talking it out with you guys, I'm more inclined to say in six or even seven. Seven, yeah. Right, let's. I would say let's go seven. I'd say maybe 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 okay. the uh, Panthers grab a early series lead, and then the Capitals have to you fight hur- back, hurricanes? take it in seven. Just, yeah, all right. <laughs> all right. That's the pick. Washington Capitals in seven right here. All right, Nesta, jumping down to your boys right here. They're taking on the New York Islanders. All right. It's going to be the last four games ever played in Nassau Coliseum. Oh, really? Okay, so let me set the table for you. Um, this is another uh, pretty close to even matchup, similar to the Blues series. This one, uh, Penguins at, at the Islanders. Islanders have home ice advantage. And the Penguins are, this is basically a coin flip series as well. Penguins are minus 105. So Vegas is saying, you know, flip a coin here. So I think the Penguins this year in general um, have underperformed a little bit. I think our seeding doesn't accurately reflect our talent. I think that, um, well, I know that the Pens have had uh, over 200 man games lost to injury and to, to key pieces too. Evgeny Malkin was out for a long time. Uh, Justin Schultz was out for damn near three months, four months. Olimata was hurt for a long time. Chris Letang's been, you know, in and out of the lineup. Um, but. In the end, we get to the show, we get a seat at the table, we check, cash our check for the 13th time in a row, the longest uh, NHL playoff streak Woo-hoo. going right now. I'm not sure we'll ever reach what the Red Wings did with 25 seasons in a row. That's unbelievable. That's unprecedented, right? But um, I feel good I feel good about this matchup. I, I, I think um, Sidney Crosby in his last game getting that 100 points with the assist on Jake Gensel's 40th goal of the season, his first 40-goal season in his young career. Tons of firepower, obviously. The big three with Sid, uh, Malkin, and Kessel. But also we got that secondary scoring with guys like Gensel and Jared McCann uh, has thirty-two goal, or 11 goals in 32 games, six assists. Nick Bugstad's been really... Um, Another great addition, trade uh, deadline addition. And, um, you know, if if Brian Dumoulin, um, he missed the last four games of the season, if he can come back healthy, if Latang can stay healthy, uh, I think we have the edge in a lot of these categories. The Islanders this entire, entire year have been playing with a goalie tandem of uh, Leonard, Robin Leonard and um, Thomas Grice. And uh, together they won the William M. Jennings Trophy winner for uh, goals against. Fewest goals. I think they got to start Leonard here because if you remember a couple of years ago, Thomas Grice was the backup goalie for the Penguins. Those those backup goalies take take shots for practice. You know, the, the whole time the, the starting goalie leaves practice early and then the guys just tee off on him. They... They are going to know his weaknesses. They are going to know how to get in his head. I think... Um, Doesn't that go vice versa? Doesn't he know them? Yeah, I mean, how much is that going to help you against Sidney Crosby? But I think the Islanders' defense helps. 
The, okay, so you bring up an interesting point because the Islanders, first time in 100 years that a team has gone from the most goals allowed in one season to the next season having fewest goals allowed. It was impressive. Yeah. And I think that is a testament to coaching and their system. Barry Trotz has, has come in there and he's he's righted the ship. He's turned this thing around. I think he is got to be a dead shoe in for the Jack Adams Award. They made a statement losing Tavares and they got better without him. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Anders Lee, Josh Bailey. Mm-hmm. Brock Nelson, Jordan Everly. Like all these guys are kind of like performing outside of themselves. However, They've sort of been overperforming for what they have, and that that's yeah, got to fall. So. That's got to fall to earth at some time. And there's nothing like a seven game series to have those things kind of work themselves out. However, their greatest strength this year has been their goaltending and their coaching. And um, you know, Barry Trotz has has beaten the Penguins before. You know, he's granted he's got. Very different pieces to work with here, but he he does know the the blueprint. He he knows how to get it done. However, what I think this ultimately winds up coming down to is the Islanders are the lowest scoring team in this playoffs with only two hundred and twenty three goals, um, with the exception of the Predators. Every other team has over two forty. Um, I think it's going to be a little bit run and gun. But I don't see them being able to keep up, and I have uh, peng, pens in six. Do okay. You, you accept that? Yeah. I mean, I knew you wouldn't go any differently. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's possible if if Matt Murray um, has a bad game, it could easily go seven, or we could easily lose. But I, I just, with our firepower up front, I think we are going to be winning five, four games. Okay. Fair enough. All in favor, say aye. Aye, 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 Last but not least. Here we go. Boston Bruins, Toronto Maple Leafs. Let's get it going here. Uh, Bruins are in the series. They have home ice advantage, and they are minus 150 favorites. It seems like just they play the Maple Leafs every year in the first round. Third time since 2013. Uh, the Maple Leafs. Haven't beaten the Bruins in the playoff series in over 50 years. Since 1959. Uh, yeah, wow. so we don't know what that's like. Um, I I would just say that the Bruins are going to win in seven because that's all, how it always seems to go. And uh, I feel like the goaltending favors the Bruins, although Rask scares me a little bit. But I do, I do like to go against Frederick Anderson because um, he turns into a puddle. So, I mean... In the game sevens in the third periods at least. So, Freddie Anderson has been pulled twice in the month of March, and he's gone five, two, and three in that time, allowing thirty six goals and eleven appearances. Tavares has been fantastic, and but there's only so many times the pucking I mean can get into the net, right? And the the defense is still the main problem for Toronto, and I do like that. You know, McAvoy is coming on come on really strong for the Bruins defensively. Char is really good. What does suck is that Kevin Miller is lost for the playoffs. That 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 kind of hurts. But the bonus is that we now have Brandon Carlo, who's in his third year. He's missed. He's gotten hurt right before the playoffs each of the last two years. Uh, he'll he'll he's he's gonna be in this year's playoffs. So him with Grizzlick, 
uh, will be good to go. You can't forget um, about Tory Krug either. I mean, that guy's no, but Krug can be taken advantage um, as far as defensively. He's a great offensive defenseman, but as far as defensive defenseman, he's not at all what you would want. But so the Rask question is the big is the big question. Um, is Rask going to play all the games? I will see. I think Halak and the comments by Cassidy. He he said that. You know, Halak has a proven playoff past, and to me it seems like Cassidy's comments indicate that Rask is not untouchable here, but I feel like if Cassidy's going to make that switch, he's got to be willing to put his job on the line for it, because that's a, that's a job-risking move, to make the move from Rask to Halak and to have the balls to stand by that move. If it costs him, that's a, that's a move that could cost you your job. So you have to have the balls to stand by that, which I think Cassidy does have, and that's the one thing he's shown over the years. He tells it like it is, he says it like it is, and you know he coaches in the way he feels, and it's it's worked out great. Ever since he's come on and take over for Julian in the two and a half years, the Bruins have the second most points in the NHL since the start of his coaching tenure. And, I mean, that says something about what he's done. Um, so hopefully Rask can keep it together. I do, I do worry about the fact that the Bruins are going to go with the number one line with David Pasternak, Brad Marchand, and Patrice Bergeron. You want I, to I, spread the love I'd level? like to spread it out, but I do think that's more important if they advance to face Tampa Bay because last year in the seven-game series against Toronto, that line combined scored 30 points against Toronto in the seven-game series. So they really do work against Toronto. That's that's before that's before Toronto had the one two punch though of Matthew and Tavares down the down the middle. True. And then, you know, it pushes but I think, Nazim Kadri to to third line center and that's a dangerous place to have a guy like that. It sure is. It is. Um so we'll But see. on the on the other side, you know, speaking of offensive depth, Jake DeBrusque has been awesome I for love you him. guys. Yeah, 27 goals this year. And he was good in the playoffs last year. Mm-hmm. So I think we can expect more of the same. I'm not sure what the status of Sean Corrali is. He was a clutch performer for us last year, getting crucial goals um, out of nowhere. So, um, But we do have this Coolman guy who's come on strong. So we'll see if he can make it make a difference. It's, and then we got Coyle and Johansson. And Krejci's playing better. This is as good as David Krejci's played since the cup-winning year in 2011 for the Bruins. Um, he has the most points he's had in five-plus years. So... Um, We'll see. It, I think it really depends on what kind of style um, this comes down to. If you guys can 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 muck it up a little bit and slow them down and keep them from playing that speed and possession game um, that they you know. But we can score with them. I mean, it's what we've done. Well, they got to stay out of the box because yeah. because Marshawn and Pasternak are both have over thirty points each uh, on the power play this year. And they're just so deadly. The one thing that's really hurt the Bruins of late, and this has been a problem, and Cassidy mentioned it, is the uh, the shorthanded goals allowed. And when they're on the power play, they're giving up shorthanded goals on the other side. That cannot happen in the playoffs. You cannot give up shorthanded right. power play goals. I mean that that that'll be a killer. That'll be a season. That's been a, that'll be a season ender. That's, that's been a problem the for the Bruins. Penguins as well. Okay, so I know as good as Marshand is at getting the shorthand goals. The Bruins have been just as bad giving them up. So that's something they definitely have to watch. I got I gotta agree with you though, um to answer your upcoming question, Marty. Bruins and seven. Bruins and seven. I mean that's the way it always goes, right? So I mean I feel like it would be foolish not to, to go any other way. 
Alright, Bruins in seven. So jumping back down to the next matchup, second round, we got Washington Capitals coming out. I don't think you guys believe either one of us wanted to do these next series. I know. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I think we're just both like uh uh, we've well, we we have our hearts and we have what we know. Right. And are we gonna go with our hearts here? But are we each gonna go with our hearts? Or are we each gonna go with what we know? Hmm. That's the so question. That's the question. Because you guys got some uh, <laughs> some toughies, some giants to take out. Yeah. You know, David and Goliath story on both sides of you know of yeah. the tape here. You know, you got Tampa Bay Bruins. Uh, but you the guys... Penguins and the Bruins aren't David's. I mean, it's just that. You defend. You got the defending champs in Washington, and you got the ridiculous Tampa Bay presumptive right. champs. Presumptive yeah, champs, presumptive exactly. Champs. So talk talk it out here. You got Washington Capitals, Nesto going against your Penguins. You guys got in your minds coming out of that Carolina series, seven games. Washington moving forward, six games for you guys for the Pens. So, so here's here is how I am going to payback evaluate this. Is I don't believe that the Capitals have gotten demonstrably better since last year. And I do believe that the Penguins have gotten better with some of their acquisitions and the way the team's been built. Marcus Pedersen, Nick Bukestad, Jared McCann, um, you know, some of the, some of the other guys, um, well, do you get? Do you know off the top of your head the season series for these two? Uh, I believe it was three and one. Three and one's correct. Okay. Um, you got the goal differential there. Plus three. Plus three. Great. Um, I don't put a lot of stock into that yeah. necessarily. Um, these are two really good postseason performers that have a lot of pedigree, a lot of experience. Um, champions in both locker rooms, recent champions in both locker rooms. Um, I th- I think based just solely based on um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with my heart here. I'm going with my heart on this one. You going pens? I'm gonna go to the pen. Go oh, pens and seven. God, that means Bruins automatically if, lose. If <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> if. The Penguins can manage if if Phil Kessel and Patrick Hornquist can start filling the net, and and you know while while they shut down Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin, that'll that'll be the 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 key to to victory there. All right. You know if 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 the Crosby line and and the Ovi Backstrom line cancel out. And then the Geno line and and the um, the uh, T.J. Oshie line cancel out. Fair enough. This, this game will this series will be one in the third and fourth line, but it is a very very unconfident Pens in seven. All right, <laughs> sounds good. Right. Johnny, I'm leaning over to you with uh, Tampa Bay and Bruins. Oh, Bruins in four. <laughs> with confidence yeah Bruins minus 400 favorites uh. <laughs> yeah I mean if you're that confident let's, let's invest some money and just 
retire early. I think that they can take him. They lost in five last year, and I think that that was a wake-up call. And the way that they've played them this year in the regular season, yes, the stats say 3-1. to one. The last game was a complete throwaway game. I mean, a lot of regulars, Marshan and Bergeron didn't even play. And similar for Tampa Bay, they didn't have point and didn't play. I know Kucherov played, Stamkos played, but um, a lot of regulars didn't play in that game. And there, there was the physicality, both teams peeled back on the physicality of the game, and they weren't interested in really playing a true level hockey game. So okay. uh, Tampa Bay, in reality, 2-1. to one. All the games were really close. In the last game they played a couple weeks ago, the Bruins had a lead, uh, gave it up late in the third period, and it just shows how good Tampa Bay is. But I think that the Bruins have learned a lot, and I think that they could they could do it. I think that they could. Um, if we're going with our hearts, I'll go, you know, I'll go with the Bruins. If we're going to go... With um, the smart money is on Tampa. Oh, obviously, but you got to go with the Penguins. So I'm gonna go with the Bruins. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> this is why we will never win this bracket. <laughs> but or, I love or, the hard boys. Or we will or look we like will. geniuses. That's right. That's yes. right. Well, all right. I think at this point we can and go seven. <laughs> and seven. Yeah. <laughs> you don't see a sweep there. Um. <laughs> Marty, you're gonna have to call Bruins pens. <laughs> Bru- I'm gonna have to call Bruins pens. Well, a bear could beat a penguin up any day of the week. So no, I'm just kidding. I am not getting involved with this because if it ever comes down to this, I'll be doing the show by myself <laughs> and skyping you two in from fa- afar. Seriously, because yeah. I don't want to be anywhere near you two during this series. If this if this matchup happens, I will be hiding. Like underneath my bed, watching the games on my iPad. Like last time we had a Bruins Penguins Eastern Conference. The Bruins final. are much different than that team that they were, were back then, though. They're not. The Penguins are too. They but but the Bruins play a different style now that they used to. They're not Claude Julien's team. They're they're more run and gun. They're more of an offensive team now. Right. So it's not. This, it's, it's not. It's not, not dump it back in the zone. Right. Back it's not make. like that anymore. So I don't think you have like. A I don't think you have much to worry about. Right. I feel like. Did you hear what I said? Your fear. I sounded like a hockey guy, right? Nice there. job, buddy. Your right. fear. Uh, your fear <laughs> from that series. It's not the same fear. It's not the same. Yeah, that's right. Because the the worst part about it was that we scored two goals in four games. Yeah. Hmm. You guys got to talk it out here. You gotta, I, I just say we flip a coin or something. I mean, what's the best way to call it? Eh? Yeah, I mean. <laughs> Who decides? We'll play it, We'll play, kind of play it like this way. Who has the best chance against Calgary if it goes that way on the other side? Um, Who matches up better in that, in that style against Calgary? Neither. Neither. Tampa Bay. <laughs> Tampa Bay does. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> Don't be shallow hearted here. You guys so just by put the advanced Tampa Bay. Yeah, we we predicted we Bruins frog leap over. But then <laughs> we're just Tampa chalk Bay ends up there. <laughs> but then we're just chalk donkeys. I mean, what's the point of all this right. if we're just going Tampa Bay, Calgary, the one and two seeds? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Or the two one seeds. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I mean that would be amazing if we got to that point. It's Bruins and Pins. Like I said, you know. Break. I mean, the preparation I H just, cells I in this like county the will Bruins, go through the roof. The Bruins are—they play for each other this year, and I, there's something about that that's 
when you see a team in sports like that, like it's like they're like the anti-Celtics. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. you can see on the ice they're so excited for each other. Like when Pasternak scored a goal the other day and it led to Marshan's 100th point, they were you know, usually that everyone huddles around the guy that just scored the goal, but no, they were all excited because Marshan got his 100th point, and it just it just seems like they're all into the playing for each other. And when you there's something special about that, teams like that advance far in the playoffs when you have that. Like this is not going to be the typical Boston scene. I think I really think with the way the Celtics are playing, a lot of the t- a lot of the town, the city's going to be jumping behind the Bruins. Through this playoff, oh right yeah, here. The, the momentum is behind the Bruins right now. Yeah, but so, it won't take much to for people to get behind the Celtics. Yeah, in this yeah. in the season series, uh, the Penguins edged out the Bruins uh, two out of three times with a plus three goal differential, Four and goal. and the game you guys won was in overtime. Yeah, another late collapse by the Penguins. Hmm. <laughs> we're at a standstill. We're going to be at a stalemate. We're going to be at a stalemate. All right. Tampa Bay is going anyways. Tampa Bay is going anyways. All right. And no cups for Canada. No cups for Canada. No. No. We're just going to talk no, that right now. No cups. Tampa for Bay's no, take. We're gonna, we're gonna get this out. <laughs> what, are you, what are you doing over there? Flipping a coin. All right. Okay. Leaving it by chance. I like it. And we're just taking it. Call it in the air. Me. No, I'm gonna right. call him there. No, I'm gonna call it. <laughs> Heads. Hands up again. Oh, what the <laughs> fuck? I, I, Hold on a second. Hold on a second. This. If I ever did that to you, you would I freak didn't even the look fuck at it. out. <laughs> there we go. Ready? Yeah. That was heads. Heads? Yeah. Tails. Fuck. Oh, Bruins advance. Brup, brup. Lighten on the back flip out. of a coin. Bruins advance, sweep the pins in, in four games. <laughs> <laughs> um, Bruins Calgary. So it's a rematch of what 1990 Stanley Cup. Oh my God, I was I was 62 then. <laughs> and the Cal- and Calgary swept the Bruins four to nothing. Oh really? Yeah. The Bruins were good, but it was the the Western Conference back then was just so good. Yeah. Right. Well, do we want to like crown this right now? Watch this second half and play a little one shining moment at the end of the game and and announce who you think is going to win out of the Bruins in Calgary. I already said no cups for Canada. <laughs> no cups. You for know Canada. I'm going Bruins. Well, yeah. We are going Bruins? Jesus fucking Christ. We How did you end up in this situation that we're talking Bruins? Flip of a coin. Flip, flip, a flip of a coin. coin. That's how a I want it. second that, flip of a coin. Yeah. Remember that. Yeah. Remember that. Son of a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, you heard it here. This is not... Uh, we do not ever lead with our hearts on this show. We think with our minds... Except for today. And coins. <laughs> yeah. You get the pure hockey analysis. For those here. who tuned into this long show and want to hear our inside analysis to get you to the right victor on on this uh, stage. Yeah, t- the the correct answer is Tampa, Tampa Bay. Bay. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, right. Obviously. But this is us. All right, so say it's Tampa Bay, Calgary. Tampa Bay. But does it go. Right, because if Tampa gets there, then they're, they got to they 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 be in. hot and be they straight through that. In. Do they take it in five, six, seven, six? Is this the harder road for Tampa Bay to get here or the harder road for Calgary to get here, to get to the championship? Um, 
You're going through it's Tampa for sure. Tampa for sure. Because you got to think Tampa's going to play. And most the, likely be Washington. We think with our hearts here, Washington right. Tampa Bay out of that. So yeah, that's going to be a hell of a, a series. You got to like that series as a fan if it gets to that point. Those yeah. two teams. Oh, yeah, yeah no, off, Tampa's right? always exciting to watch. Yeah. yeah. All right. It's a harder road, but no, no trophies for Canada. No cups for Canada. No cups for Canada. All right, guys, we're gonna head into another break here, and uh, in this one, we got Connor McDavid. Uh, with some pretty disappointing comments after they were mathematically eliminated from the playoffs. Just, I, I, can you imagine? Who does this chat Ch- play for? He plays for the Edmonton Oilers. <laughs> and he's. <laughs> Don't look at me disappointed like that. No, no, he's the, he's the best Talk. player. He's the best hockey player in the world. Okay. Right now. Sorry, Johnny. <laughs> I'm just like, like, what? Johnny's he, heart. I don't. Follow hockey, bro. There's just so much going on in my life. I'm trying to educate this young man. All right. So he's the best hockey player in the world, and he is on a, like, historically underachieving team. Um, They've had top-round picks for how many years in a row? Surely. We want him to get into it. Yeah. So just, just massively underperforming. Kind of a joke of a team. And I had thought about asking you guys uh, on my drive over here, has there been a superstar like Connor McDavid in any other sport that has been so good? Mike Trout. Yeah, Yeah, but he won. No, yeah. He's he's not ever won a playoff. Made the playoffs once. And never won. Right, and they were 0-3. Yeah. And he got one hit. Yeah. Mike Trout. Mike Trout. For sure. Yeah. Barry Sanders, maybe? Yeah, but no, I think the comp is Mike Trout. Okay. Yeah. McDavid, absolutely. It's a good comp. All right. So, uh, Connor McDavid's post-game comments. Uh, when did you guys find out it was official? Was it in the first period what? or that you what? guys were eliminated? I found out uh, when it was now? just now. But uh, yeah, it, was, it was never really a question um, at this point, so... Now that it is official, like, what's your your sense of it? I know it sucks, but can you kind of? Uh, yeah, it sucks. Obviously, just uh, it's not good enough uh, all year. You know, we we, uh, we let streaks drag on. We let uh, you know uh, the times where where we can find ways to get wins drag on. Um, you know, you got to find a way to to stop the, the bleeding um, yeah. quick. Um, you know, it's a, a slim slim margin of error in this league and. Um, you know, there's a lot of teams that are right there, and you know we uh, we did our best to, to stay in the fight, just uh, a little too late. Um, well. It was funny because as bad as things went, it was it was there for you almost. I mean, it's been a, it's been an insane season. You know, um, coaching change, team change, you know, you know, good times and, and bad times. It's been a roller coaster. Um, it's been emotionally challenging. Um, it's been uh, you know hard mentally um, to. To kind of keep uh, keep on going, you know, um, you know, but we were always kind of right there, you know, we we were close, and then we'd find drift away and um, sway goes. Your frustration level is probably fairly high. It's really high. It's uh, it's really really high. Um, you know, it's it's frustrating. You know, I, we want to play in the playoffs as a team. I personally want to play in the playoffs. Um, it's uh, I'm not not happy about it. It's uh, it's gonna be a long summer.
and we are blessedly done. Um, I just popped my one shining moment uh, cherry. So, so far as I understand it, it's a song about Zion Williamson. Yeah, yeah. you would think so. With eight, totally eight, eight sightings in that for a team that went out way too early. It didn't than even make the final yeah, four. Exactly. Right. The, the overall favorite that didn't even make the final four. Nothing but Zion Williamson sightings in one shining moment. That was ridiculous. Oh my god. Well, hats off to Texas Tech. They they played their asses off, but really hats off uh, to Virginia. The biggest turnaround probably in two years going out as a one seed last year to a 16 and turn around and winning the whole thing. And I love Tony Venom is like, it's part of who we are. Own it. Yeah. You know, own it. And, you know, try to overcome it. And and they did. And they overcame a lot in this tournament. I just thought that they kept fighting for... All 40 minutes, even plus that, in every single game, you know, and they were clutch when they needed to be, and they really gave it all, and it's impressive. The turnaround uh, is impressive. That Hunt, Kyle Hunter, Beck, Hunter just gave us the biggest the middle, middle finger, finger yeah. for our talk about being overrated, and that kid had a hell of a game. So he's going top 10 now. Top 10. <laughs> seven, seven foot, four inch wingspan, Kawhi Leonard-esque body that just stepped up in the big moment, so maybe his I'd never seen throws. him hit big shots like that. Yeah. Uh, and they hit their free throws, which was huge down the stretch yeah. of this game. Uh, just protect a battle back in the first half, almost double digits in the second half, and uh, I don't know. I don't know. That kind of guy <laughs> kid's got a really punchable face. Yeah, he does. He does. But he came up big, like <laughs> like said earlier. He if he had his threes, that was going to be a big difference. And maybe Culver Stocks goes down a little bit. He was just an, a non-factor in this game, and to take that shot with three point six seconds left, rather than trying to go in the lane and regular in regulation, changed the outcome of that game for sure. Eighty-five seventy-seven is the final, Virginia yeah. overtime. Definitely covered the over. Yeah, over. Over was easy money. Nobody expected that. The jokes were it'd be like 51 to 49 all, you know, last last couple of days. All right. Well, we're good. I was going to do a little Masters preview, but it is freaking late. It is late. You guys, I will put up the odds for Masters uh, this week. Check that out on Facebook. Let's cut to the chase. Does Tiger place? No, not the way he's been putting the last few tournaments and. The problem is if you're not throwing darts on one of the hardest courses when you're 180 yards out, you're not. If you're putting outside of seven, seven feet, you're struggling, and he and he's struggling right now. So I don't I don't see him winning that. Rory has a huge chance. I wouldn't bet on Spieth. Um, Who are your top three? My top three. Uh, I would definitely go Rory. Um, it's hard to, to knock out Justin Thomas the way he's been playing. He's steady. And I'll, I'll make my outside third being uh, Francisco Molinari. It's not a big outside third. He's 20 to 1 odds to win. 7 to 1 is Rory. Dustin Johnson 10 to 1. For some reason, I just have this weird feeling Dustin Johnson won't be there. So my top three is Rory, Justin Thomas, Justin Thomas and uh, Molinari. Yep. One of my favorite pastimes has become rooting against Tiger, so I can't wait to do that. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> Uh, Patrick Reed is defending, and I believe Patrick Reed is in second-tier odds, and he's all the way out of, like, 50, 50 to 1 odds. I was even shocked that he won that last year. Not the easiest course to win on. So, yeah, we're Thursday, tee-off. I'm, I'm super excited, man. 
This is um, one of my favorite times of the year. It always marks the time of spring when the Masters is, is rolling out. Boom. Who's the C. Smith guy? Is he any good? He's in my lineup. C. Smith, yeah. He's been pretty steady. He's been placing. You got McElroy, Fleetwood, and Spieth. Yeah. Shoffley's a, is a good bet as well. Um, Kopka. That was the boy... That's Brooks. The, that, that's, oh, Brooksy. Yeah, that's uh, Nesto's boy right there. John Ram as well. I mean, it's all the usual suspects. I mean, Fleetwood is a target golfer. He could pull this out. I mean, there's a lot of good names up there. I don't see anybody, too many unknowns stepping out of the shadows to, to take this by surprise, though. The field is tough. All right. Um, if you guys have stuck with us this long, you know where to find us. Instagram, Facebook, all that shit. It's uh, it's twelve fifty six. Time to shut this down. Anything else, boys? Uh, uh, the NHL playoffs start this week. Uh, Penguins start Wednesday. Bruins start Thursday. Next week we're doing the NBA. The, the NBA playoffs will have started. We'll have they'll have gotten a game in for each series. Um, but we'll still do our preview next Monday. We'll get the show out early. Um, that's it. Hopefully All the right. Red Sox can turn it around. We got a big day at Fenway tomorrow. So. I just want to point out, we've got baseball right, we got football right, we got this game right, champions. Yeah, we had Virginia. We had Virginia. When everyone else had Duke, this, we had this, Virginia. This oh, podcast is on a roll. I will kill myself if the Bruins win. <laughs> I'm just like, no, we, we tradition. We, dude, we, we you need to Tampa help me Bay, out though. here because <laughs> this is the one thing I've wanted all my life. Okay, this is the one thing I've wanted all my life. I've told you this before. It's the four sports sweep. Okay, so I got the Red Sox. It's I got not the Patriots. Now I want the Bruins and Celtics. The Celtics aren't happening. You know that. That could happen. It could happen. It could happen. Ugh. This is as close a chance as there has been in a long time. You know, '86 was the was the time when it really could have happened. John, you just you just spent the last three months talking about what a shit team they are. I know, but now I'm getting my hopes up again. <laughs> They're playing it. Indiana. They should wipe the floor. Delirium. They it's, should it's wipe the floor Fucking with Indiana, man. and then they can play with Milwaukee. Mm. Milwaukee's injured, so we'll see. And is our bet still holding? If Bucks takes this all and Golden over even Golden State, we bet $50 earlier in this, this season. Oh, sure. Yeah, I'm down right. for that. All right. I'm still Bucks bound. Uh, Wait. <laughs> what is the bet? <laughs> what is it? The but you the Bucks beat the Warriors. Yeah, if they get there. Yeah, if it's, it's if not that happening. Matchup. All right. Okay. All right. Back guys. Kisses. Good night.